Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those, those, those boys. That's yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. You don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I managed to stay alive for six days. I'd say it to your face, not say it to you now. I'm down Swanfield and we'll see them all. What you doing down here, you Johnny man? Sergio Ramos is the kind of guy who'd unplug your life support machine to charge his phone. I think that was my favourite tweet in the Champions League <laughs> final by Rob Griffiths. Hello there, Murphy. You enjoyed that one too. Ah, that's good. Oh, that's good. That's well, a good yeah. start to the week. It well is, done. Yeah. Strong start. Well, well done to well, well, Rob, ever. the gentleman I mean, who actually listen, tweeted. You're, you're curating this whole affair. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I'm stealing day. other people's material to pass off as my own. You're very welcome. You're a to news me. aggregator. <laughs> Monday second Gavin's football podcast. I haven't had an original thought in about ten years, but <laughs> uh, it's Monday second Gavin's football podcast. After a truly stunning occasion, we talked in the World Service last week about the possibility of a Sergio Ramos hat-trick. By that, we meant a goal, a red card, and maybe an own goal or a defensive mm. header of some sort. Instead, we did get a Sergio Ramos hat-trick, but it consisted of a cunning takedown of Liverpool's star player, an elbow to the head of the goalkeeper who goes on to throw two goals in and gift the game to Real, mm-hmm. and some theatrics to get Mane in trouble thrown in there as well. So I'm sorry, Gareth Bale, but Sergio Ramos was Real Madrid's Once key man again, on Saturday night. <laughs> l- uh, like a moth to a flame, we are drawn to Sergio Ramos oh, after yeah. a... Big Real Madrid game. Not a bad strike by Bale, all the same. Marcelo. Right foot across from him. Bale tried. Are you serious? Are you serious? Gareth Bale just on the pitch. One of the best goals you'll ever see in a Champions League final. Marcelo. Il va pouvoir centrer maintenant à la reprise Oh la grosse de Garantel Couillou Mamma mia Saw you with Ronaldo's bicycle kick from your laptop earlier. Well, I today, Murph, what, what, what was the deal there? Are you trying to compare the two? I feel like you know it behooves me to have watched both and have come to a definitive decision <laughs> on which bicycle kick is better yeah. in time for the recording of the podcast. 
it has actually got to be Gareth Bale. Is it Bale, yeah? And I'll tell you why, Owen. Because I think if you were uh, in, uh, you know, on a pitch with your mates and you said, okay, I'm going to try and score a bicycle kick. You couldn't have, you couldn't ask for a better delivery from that perspective than the cross that Ronaldo got. I mean, everything was set up for Ronaldo perfectly to do the but. Now, obviously, it takes an extraordinary <laughs> no, amount of skill. No, no, I understand. We're comparing I mean, we're to, to we're incredible comparing goals. to like ridiculous goals here. Yeah. Whereas Bale, the level of contortion required to get himself into the position to even make it possible for him to stick one in the top corner from there. Yeah. That's what elevates it for me. Yeah, oh, and because I mean, you know, you can the, the argument that it's in a Champions League final is all well and good. Is that what we're discussing here? But you even know? as as an aesthetic, yeah, I think, piece of football, you're yeah. going for that as well. So yeah, essentially with level the, of difficulty is what I'm talking. Level about of difficulty, here. yeah, it's a good point with the with the bail one. You didn't even realize it was a bicycle kick on until yeah. it was flashing into the net practically, yeah. and you assumed. Well, I assumed it was Ronaldo. Yeah, and I was watching with you, Murphy. I think we all assumed yeah. it was Ronaldo for a second. Maybe we just weren't paying close enough attention. It was a split second where it was, oh, he's done it again. No, it's Bale, which was equally as exciting. Yeah. I'm sure Cristiano was delighted for Gareth Bale. We'll get all into all of that. Get into that, yeah. Oh, Wolfie took me by surprise there for a second, Murph. Mm. Creeps up in you sometimes, doesn't sometimes he? It does. That drum hell can mean only one thing. Those tiny little paws. <laughs> Live show ticket news. Final call today for tickets to our Cat Laughs recording this Friday night. In Kilkenny, we're doing a very special late night show at 10.30pm. It's your basic Hollyoaks later sort of vibe, mm. as you can imagine. World Service. I've got a lot of raunchy material that I'm looking forward to <laughs> debuting. World Service members have snapped up most of the tickets, but there are still a few available at thecatlaughs.com and secondcaptains.com forward slash live. So you can get on there and snap those ones up now for you and for your mates. Some comedy megastars, sporting superheroes. We'll join forces for your pleasure. It's an absolutely brilliant night. It's a great weekend. Mm. So if you're thinking of coming down to see us, do hang around for the weekend or as much of it as you can. And I, you can grab your tickets while you can still do it. Yeah, I'm even taking the opportunity to go to Galway Wexford, which is an hour away. I mean, listen, I've got the weekend of my life planned. On. I don't know about everyone else, but it's going to be the highlight of my year. That's thecatlast.com and secondcaptains.com forward slash live. Joe Crean is emailed in to editor at secondcaptains.com. Subject, please fix me. Hello, dear second captains. Please fill the aching void where my soul used to reside before it was smashed, splintered and taken away on Saturday night. The god of sport is vicious, unmerciful and unforgiving. Thanks, Joe Crean. Well, that is a tall order, tall order, I should say, Joe. I think there's only one man for the job. There's a voice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Sorry, mate. That's actually my seat. What you think doesn't really matter. He's an annoying twat. What do I say? The word tosser. Well, what's next for you? What's next for Hadaway? What a boy you are. (laughs) Ken, Ken, Ken. Ken, 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 Ken. You're on your way home after witnessing that madness on Saturday night? Yes, and I'm, in, uh, I'm back in Munich. Uh, I saw Vladimir Klitschko was on my plane. <laughs> ah. um, yeah, Vladimir, Vladimir Klitschko was flying back from Kiev to, to Munich uh, on the same flight I was on. I was getting onto the plane. Obviously, I didn't notice he was standing just ahead of me in the queue because I was looking at my phone the whole time. <laughs> um but then I, uh, when I turned onto the plane, turned into the cabin, yeah, the, the very first thing that I saw was uh, the imposing form of 
uh, Vladimir Klitschko. Uh, and on, uh, he's standing right there in sort of, you know, 1D, I guess. Uh, and in the sort of 1C position is a small American man with glasses. I don't be unkind to him, mm. uh, but he looked a bit like a kind of a, a small woodland creature, volish. Um, <laughs> and he was sort of saying to the artist, excuse me, ex- excuse me, are we in the right seats? And Klitschko was standing there frowning at this, like, boarding pass in his hand. Uh, and at, just at that point, Klitschko goes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, my mistake, my mistake. <laughs> so I think what had actually just happened was Klitschko had come and done a, I'm sorry, mate, that's actually my seat <laughs> to this guy. Um, and it turned out that he just got the wrong side of the plane or whatever. And... Um, and this, well, I tell you, this little tiny little American fella wasn't backing down. I wonder what it would feel like to be ordered out of your seat by Vladimir Klitschko, um, uh, especially, uh, I suppose, in his, in his home turf. Um, but uh, but I think it was all resolved peaceably. And I I, uh, I just passed by on my way down to 29F, sat down and immediately fell asleep. <laughs> what did you make of Joe's analysis there, Ken? The god of sport is vicious, unmerciful and unforgiving. Is that what happened on Saturday? Well, I think that if... If Loris Carius was feeling as though God had abandoned him, is it any consolation to think that God hasn't abandoned you, Loris? There is no God. Your suffering is meaningless. This is just the way the world is. It's not as though you've been singled out by any malignant force uh, for for uh, for ruin before the eyes of the world, ruin for ridicule and, and suffering, lifelong suffering. It's not as though you've been chosen for this. It just happened to you. Things just happen to people. And uh, and it happened to Loris. Uh, I don't know if he believes in God. Uh, I think it was a night to test a lot of people's faith. <laughs> um, if they were, if they were uh, supporting Liverpool, or, or even if they were just watching the game. Uh, it was not a game that seemed to... The, the events that happened in the field didn't seem to conform to any coherent moral code that I can make any sense of. Uh, I mean, you could say, you know, Loris Carius was guilty of a lot of a couple of different things. I mean, he really, really, really made a balls of it, Owen. Well, if you're a member of the World Service, you've been getting these all last week. It is time for one final Ken Early report from Kiev. Well, you're in Munich now, Ken, but we'll call it a report from Kiev because that's where, that's where you were on Saturday. Yeah. Kiev's not a bad, not a bad town at all, Owen. Uh, I, I mean, I saw a lot of people slagging it off as a choice of venue. Um, I think, obviously, the, the price of the accommodation went up very late, uh, just to, as everybody was booking it. And I don't know if it's, it's obviously not a massive tourist destination, so it's not, it doesn't really have the infrastructure. But I have to say, aside from that, it was a very good place to have a final. You know, great weather. Um, very low prices. Prices low, obviously, as a result of economic collapse. Uh, it is a bit predatory of uh, Western Europeans to go there and go, oh, everything is so cheap. How delightful. Um, it has to do with the, the currency having collapsed, and it's a pretty serious economic crisis they're having. But if you are a traveling crowd of football fans um, and your expenses are really beer and food, these things can be hard for nothing. And it was, I thought, a good place to have the game, and everybody... Uh, had a pretty good time. As for the game itself, Owen, <laughs> there's a, f- a few things to get out of the way here. Go on. Spanish football is really very strong. 
Uh, it's nine out of ten European trophies now. Nine out of the last ten. So the only the only non-Spanish team to have won a trophy in that time, won a European trophy, is Manchester United under Jose Mourinho uh, when they won the Europa League last season. Um, we were talking about why this might be after the game, and I think, I think it was Rory Smith and Miguel were saying that there's quite a... Uh, probably the, the thing is that La Liga is just at a sweet spot in terms of the level of competition that there is. There are like two and a half teams. In England, there's too much competition. There are six teams. In Italy, Germany, and uh, France, there's too little. There's just one one team, one, one sort of potentially Champions League winning team. But in Spain, there are two and a half teams, and it's just right. It's just the right uh, amount of competition because you don't have to be totally exhausted in the league, um, you know, scrambling to even just to qualify for the Champions League as you are in England. And, you know, there's, there's very little chance of you actually missing out in any given season. Um, but you also can't really slack off. You can't sort of phone it in because there are two teams, two other teams, Atletico, um, you know, whichever, whichever one of the teams you are, Atletico, Barcelona or Real, who are going to run away with it if you don't keep up. So it's kind of at a nice... A nice level. Um, I think this might have something to do with why they've been so successful. But yeah, I mean, also, uh, also the fact that you can bring off the bench in the Champions League final. And I know this is something that Jurgen Klopp was asked about. Like the the press conference with Jurgen Klopp was was an interesting one. But I didn't realise when Gareth Bale came off the bench. I knew that he was when he signed for Real Madrid, the most expensive player in the world. That they paid like you know over ninety million. From. I didn't realize he was on 600 grand a week. <laughs> 600 grand a week, Gareth Bale. Sitting on the bench, um, but came on and with his first touch scored one of the most amazing goals I've ever seen. The best goal I've ever seen live? It pro- probably was. I mean, when are you going to see a goal like that ever again? I seriously doubt I ever will. In the Champions League final to score this type of goal. What was your reaction as it went in? As I said, as myself and Murph have been Ooh. saying, it, it, it seemed to happen so quickly. It didn't, we didn't realise it was on and suddenly he's up there and, and it's in and he's wheeling away and diving into the corner. No, I saw it all very clearly. It was, uh, the ball came in from Marcelo. Gareth Bale was there. He was kind of standing in a little bit of space, but obviously it was back to goal, but just sort of in, you know, just straight up. Boom. And the ball went in pretty high. Like it kind of, it kind of looped a little bit. And it was completely unsavable. I mean, I saw Carrius even be questioned on that goal, but I'm going to give him a pass on that one. There was nothing he really, nothing he could have done. It was, you know, maybe it wasn't right in the corner, but it, it did. It was just under the crossbar, sort of dipping. Stephen Hunt uh, in his sort of independent. Yeah, Stephen, Stephen Hunt said, said, I would question Carrius for that goal too. He was not set properly and he dived rather than taking a step. So he was oh, in a position to stop. Uh, okay, well, maybe, maybe if Inspector Gadget might have had a chance of <laughs> stopping the goal, but like Carrius was not going to stop. No one was going to stop that goal. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, you can't, it's just nonsense. People are just, I mean, can, is there not enough to criticize Carrius about <laughs> without blaming him for, uh, for letting in that goal? I mean, we're going to get to that. Don't worry. Don't worry. We will get to that section of this podcast. But what a goal. Um, you see Zidane's celebration, Zidane the same celebration as he did for Cristiano Ronaldo. Ronaldo, did he look a little bit good at I thought so. Uh, I thought he definitely did because Gareth Bale uh, took away the spotlight. He took away maybe the Puskas Award 
He took a lot from Cristiano Ronaldo at that moment. Of course, Ronaldo's goal, Ronaldo's goal against Juventus was definitely a more perfect uh, example of the bicycle kick. It was like, uh, uh, you know, the platonic ideal of the bicycle kick. Um, Garrett Bale's one was a little bit like, wow, this hippopotamus is on its hind legs. There was a little bit of that. Um, <laughs> this hippopotamus is skating around, uh, the, you know, the ice rink with a with a with a, uh, a mop, and uh, and has just executed a triple axel. There was a little bit of that. A little bit of that. Ronaldo's was more beautiful, but Bale's was in uh, in the Champions League final to go two one up. When at a time when the whole stadium was kind of um, was was alive, really for Liverpool, who just just scored their equaliser a couple of minutes previously, uh, and and you know killed off the killed the crowd at that point. Well, I mean, obviously set the stadium absolutely crazy, but it re-established. Now, nah, now nah, you're not coming back. You're not going to come back in this game. We, you know, Bale had just come on. The effect of that. I mean, when you think about it in terms of when Salah had gone off. Lalana came on, and I got I barely saw him. I really, I was like, "Where's Lalana?" I saw him at one point tackling Luka Modric down by the corner flag, and I really can't remember him doing a lot else. It was that type of game, you know. I mean, it's he's he's about ten matches off, uh, you know, sharpness, fitness. Um, he obviously wasn't ready to play here, but they didn't have anyone. They didn't have anyone else. And um, Madrid can bring on a player like that, a player who hasn't been in their team recently, who apparently wants to leave. Uh, he's telling people Zidane doesn't like him. Um, Zidane hasn't been speaking to him. Apparently they fell out because Zidane at some point suggested, uh, hey, Gareth, you need to run back into defence when the other team has the ball and maybe try and help out your fullback. And he said, boss, uh, I'm an attacker. Why should I have to do that? Perhaps thinking... Perhaps both of them, unspoken between them, was not everybody in this team has to do that. Well, so you're saying I'm one of the players who has to do that? And Zidane is kind of saying, yes, you are. And uh, Bale's like, well, I'm not too happy. Uh, and he's been on the bench for a lot of the time since then. And apparently wants to join Manchester United. I think there were a lot of clubs, uh, big clubs looking at him going, well, Bale, he's injured quite a lot. He's 29 and he's on 600 grand a week. You know, there's, there's uh, three things not to like about Gareth Bale. But then you see him in the final, and you can see the difference that he can make just with the power that he has, power, the ability, goal that he scored, uh, and then the second goal that he scored. Well, I mean, I suppose he had a little bit of help on that second goal. But um, yeah, it, it, I mean, it was pretty funny afterwards to see Ronaldo and, and Bale both sort of announcing, oh, I'm out of here. Not in, not in so many words. And it appears as though Ronaldo was purely an attention seeking device because he's since seems to have promised the Bernabeu, a crowd at the Bernabeu, that he's going to stay. Although, who knows, really, with this guy? I mean, what else could he say to to maybe grab the attention next week? I suppose we'll just have to stay tuned and find out. Well, let's hear from Gareth Bale. This is him speaking on BT Sport on the pitch directly after the match. Obviously, I, I need to be playing. I need to be playing week in, week out, and that hasn't happened this season for one reason or another. Um, I had a, about five, six-week injury at the start of the season, and I've been fit ever since, so... Um, yeah, obviously now I have to sit down in the summer and uh, and discuss it with my agent and yeah, take it from there. You couldn't have made a more obvious statement of intent than you did tonight, yeah? No, but as I said, you have to have to make an impact. I keep saying it. Obviously, as I said, I was disappointed not to start, but yeah, you have to keep working till the end. Is that what they call a come and get me plea, Ken? 
Um, yeah, I don't, well, I think so. I think he's been pretty, been pretty open. I mean, has to be played every week. He has played a lot more games this season than in either of the previous seasons. Although I guess he's arguing that he's been fit and he's been left out, whereas in the previous seasons he's been injured. Um, but yeah, I mean, he he should be playing every week. Of course he should. He's he's one of the best players in the world. I mean, he's 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 such a he's such a talented player. Um, he's been playing second fiddle for a long time. Uh, I think longer than is natural for a player of his sort of type and his ability. You know, it's not that Ronaldo was playing with Ronaldo was necessarily. Um, ah, I don't know. I mean, I I, I, I feel as though Ronaldo doesn't really have any respect for him. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, it's not it's not a very affectionate relationship it hasn't it has never been you know, I don't think Ronaldo's ever been hugely impressed by Bale I mean maybe he's used him a little bit in terms of well here's another guy I'm going to make sure I stay ahead of um, use him as a kind of a motivation but it, it's never been a warm relationship it's never really seemed as though there's been great chemistry there and I have to say that Bale the best season of Bale's career is still his last season at Tottenham and he's never been as exciting as he was then for Real Madrid. What he has managed to do is win the Champions League four times. Uh, you, you wouldn't say necessarily he's been a key player, but there he is. He scored two winners in the Champions League as well. He scored the 2-1 in 2014, and he scored the 2-1 and the 3-1 in 2018, and he's won the man of the match here. So, you know, in terms of success, it, could, it couldn't have gone... Well, it could, it could have gone better in terms of trophies. He might have won... I, I think he's only won one league title. Um, but four Champions Leagues, yeah, you can't argue with that. I do feel as though at another club, he maybe could have made even more of his ability. But it's not necessarily too late for him to do that. And I think maybe he's realized, okay, I've won all the Champions League I need with these guys. Um, maybe uh, maybe I would be better off somewhere else. I'm guessing Ronaldo probably does have quite a lot of respect for Sergio Ramos, who was a notable presence once again in a big game, Ken. Do you respect Ramos's ability to pull off these... Do you respect his authority, Ken? His authority, his, 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 his mastery of the dark arts? His mastery of the dark arts. Mm-hmm. If Sergio Ramos was a master of the dark arts, yeah. how has he managed to have been sent off 24 times, ah. playing almost exclusively for Real Madrid Most, at that time? Mostly in La Liga. You know, matches he doesn't even care about that much. He, he rarely gets sent off in big games in Europe or for Spain. Sergio Ramos is the most incompetent exponent of the dark arts that has ever been. He's the worst. He's the worst exponent of dark arts that there's ever been in Spanish football history. The point about dark, the point about the dark arts is that you're not supposed to get caught doing them. That's what dark arts means. Well, he didn't get caught doing them on Saturday night. No, he didn't do, he he had one of those refs who's just, he's just glad, he's just sort of awed to stand within, you know, a 25 meter radius of him. Uh, And he does get those kinds of referees a lot or he'd been sent off a lot more than 24 times I mean the fact that as captain of Real Madrid he's managed that many red cards is testament to how blatant and how brazen his uh, his uh, well bright arts his his incredibly obvious arts his like (laughs) I mean he he is an idiot (laughs) he's an idiot and you know, if you're talking about dark arts, I'll tell you somebody who, who who understands dark arts, and I hate using that phrase because I think it's such wank. Mm. Uh, but the, but we we all know what we're referring to. The the player I would think of is Luis Suarez. How many times has Luis Suarez been sent off since he played against Ghana and famously was sent off in the World Cup semi final in 2010? 
How many times? Never? Guess. Never. Oh, come on. Come on, never. We're talking about Suarez. <laughs> Three times. One time. Wow. I think I think Ramos has got like twelve or thirteen red cards in the same in the same period. Because Ramos just goes around hammering people in full view of the referee and relies on status to stay on the field. Relies on status. Relies if he if he turns around and gives the ref a little pinch on the cheek or or a little pat pat on the backside and the ref kind of blushes and doesn't send him off. Uh, Suarez never gets caught. Now, Suarez, the interesting thing about him is that he served like a season, a season's worth of bans in that time with his one red card. He's literally been banned for an entire season. Seven weeks for, seven games for biting at Ajax, eight games for racism at Liverpool, seven games, ten games for biting at Liverpool, four months for biting at the World Cup. But the referee never catches him. You have to get the whole... It has to be like an international manhunt involving sort of all the feds <laughs> in order in order for his, his use of the dark arts. It turns into an international scandal. But the referee never notices. Whereas with Ramos, he just goes and laps somebody and then the referee is bottle sending him off. That's what he does. Except for the 24 times the referee has sent him off. Now, on this occasion... You're never going to get sent off for that foul because it doesn't look like a foul. This is this is actually one of his a rare example of him disguising the foul quite well. Did he deliberately put Mo Salah out of the game? I think he tried to, and I think he succeeded. So, does that mean he deliberately did? Well, deliberately tried to put out of the game. You're having to look at deep into the soul of Sergio Ramos to make. Yeah, I've, I've kind of been following this goal. argument. I certainly think he fancied hurting Mo Salah. But I mean, I have heard people making the argument that, that he was specifically trying to injure Mo Salah in the specific way that Mo Salah actually got injured, which I think is, well, you know, maybe well, stretching it a little too well, far. I think, I think, I think the, the thing about that is that um, people maybe are looking at the fact that, that um, Ramos hooked Salah's arm. I mean, I see people say Salah grabs Ramos's arm, which is so ridiculous. How do you think your arm goes when you're trying to pull your arm away from somebody? It does bend at the elbow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if if they've got it hooked, I mean, it'd be interesting if, if Mo Salah's arm just stayed completely straight, like like some kind of a robot, like a broomstick arm on a robot, like waggling around. Ridiculous. It's clear that what happened was Ramos grabbed Salah's arm, held onto it, and fell heavily. Then and he and he fell onto he he dragged him down. Actually. The European Judo Union, you may have seen their tweet, saying, Waki Gatame is a dangerous technique. That is why it is not allowed in Judo to use for a transition to Nawaza. What do you think about this foul yesterday evening in the UCL final between Real Madrid and Liverpool? That's the European Judo Union. I have no idea what Waki Gatame or Nawaza is, but whatever Sergio Ramos was doing apparently looked a lot like Waki Gatame to the, uh, to the Judo people. Uh, I don't know if Sergio Ramos is a Judo guy. Or if he just understands that if you grab hold of someone's arm and then sort of flip them to the ground like that and fall heavily on their arm, then that's going to hurt them. And the important thing to remember is that it's not the arm that Ramos fell on yeah. that got damaged. It's the other arm. It's the one that Salah had to put out to break his fall. That's the one that got injured at the shoulder because of the speed, because of the extra weight of the fall that Ramos has put on by pulling him down hard. So that's the foul. That's, that's what caused the injury. Uh, did he injure him deliberately? I'm, I'm sure that when he when he um, began the foul, he couldn't have known that it was definitely going to result in an injury. But he was certainly prepared to take the chance. He was certainly prepared to take a, a roll of the dice and see how it went. And um, 
and okay, the, the result was that Salah, Salah was gone, and and the result was you could you could immediately see the transformation in the game. I think Liverpool had nine shots before Salah went off, none after uh, he did until the second half. Uh, you know, they'd had quite a lot of touches in Madrid's third, fifty-six touches in the in the Madrid's third, and one in the um, in the time after Salah went off. So, so you know, it's a completely different game. Uh, it exposed the weakness of Liverpool's reserves. You know, they they didn't have any reserves. They had Lalana, they had Chad, not players who aren't fit. They had Solanke, players who, you know, aren't aren't really up to it. Certainly not yet. Uh, Klein, Mignolet, Moreno, they had nobody. Um, and this was their best player taken out of the game. So, I think everyone watching was think was was okay. We can see which way this game is going now. So, in this sense, you could say mastery of the dark arts has helped his team to win the has helped his team to win the game. But I think he, you know, I think he got a little bit lucky in the sense that. You can't usually. It's it's a difficult thing to do. You know, if it's going to be your strategy to injure, to take out an opponent out of the game, it's a difficult thing to get away with. He's managed to get away with it there. He managed to get away with the simulation. He got away with the the, the foul on Carius. Again, you know, a referee who's 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 delighted. He'll be he'll be telling his grandkids about the time that he uh, at the time that he ref the Champions League final. Happy to be there, uh, and didn't give a single foul against Sergio Ramos in the whole game, which I found truly amazing. But. Uh, when it's your day, it's your day. Yeah, I guess there's nobody in any sort of doubt, Ken, as to the impact. I mean, the carious mistakes might have happened anyway, so who knows? But certainly once Salah was gone, once Lalana came in, uh, you know, you could kind of see... You, well, you could see the writing on the wall. It was, it was going to take some something absolutely ridiculous without Mo Salah there to uh, play his part. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you saw you saw how, how, uh, how sad he was because uh, I think he was thinking at that point he's out of the World Cup. Now, I don't know yet whether he is or not. I, I think that he will probably go to the World Cup even if he can't play because maybe there's a chance he might be able to play. Jurgen Klopp after the game was, nah, serious injury. You know, Klopp's, Klopp's impression, Klopp gave the, gave the impression that Salah was, was totally screwed. Now, I saw there was a tweet saying, oh, so, Mo Salah is only out for two to three weeks. Um, tweeted somebody in Egypt uh, claiming that, you know, he'd been scanned and the injury had been confirmed, but he hadn't even left the stadium at that point. So unless they scanned him in the dressing room, that couldn't possibly have been true. Um, you know, in, in terms of what the actual injury is, there hasn't been confirmation yet. The Egyptian FA have said something about a, a, an acromioclavicular joint sprain two to three weeks. Sal obviously has tweeted saying he, he thinks he can, he's, gonna, he's confident of making the World Cup. Um, and I'm sure that he will be in their squad, but whether he can really play, uh, it depends on what the injury is. We haven't yet seen the confirmation of that. Um, you know, he says, I'm a fighter. Despite the odds, I'm confident of being rushed to make you proud. Your love and support will give me the strength I need. Well, tell you, tell you who needs a bit of strength and whose fighting credentials are maybe a little bit questionable, according to one of my favorite journalists. Oh, no. I think I know who you're talking about, Ken. Yeah. What does Diego have yeah. to say for himself today? Diego Torres, I think remarkably, tweeted after the game, on Salah's shoulder fell all expectations of golden balls, all the comparisons with Messi, all the weight that results from contrasting reality and illusion. He came to Kiev with a bad face. He seemed sick. He was a pilot without a helmet. Accidents don't happen by chance. Someone then, uh, Paul Morrissey, I tweeted him saying, "Are you really? You know, is 
you, th- you think it was the gap between illusion and reality that injured his shoulder? What, you know, what about Ramos? Um, I don't think so. I think it was he was nervous, contracted. Ramos was hard, but that hardness, if you're alert, doesn't, it's not going to put you out of the game. The best players are the ones who seem calmer in the pressure. So here we've, what we've got is victim blaming. This is Mo Salah apparently was not man enough. I think it was just a, it was a problem with the illusion, the gap between illusion and reality. He was too overrated. That's why his shoulder ended up being injured. It wasn't that Sergio Ramos, who may have spoken to Diego Torres for that wonderful book about Jose Rio uh, and <laughs> many other stories down the years. It, it wasn't simply that he uh, hurled him heavily into the into the ground and popped his shoulder out. It was the gap between reality and illusion. Just so you know, uh, Diego Torres then, uh, to my mind, astonishingly, I mean, this is just, did he have an intern writing his account when this happened? Because he then tweeted a, a WWF meme of, of Ramos putting down Salah in an armbar. So I'm not quite sure. It seems a little it seems a little inconsistent. But it really reminded me of the... Um, well, the whole situation had reminded me of this, but that in particular reminded me of what happened with uh, Brian O'Driscoll and all the boys down in New Zealand giving it... Well, of course, that wasn't fair play. Anyway, can we, not, can we all not just... Can we all not, not just move on? This is Tana, you know, Tana Umaga. And Kevin, and Kevin Mialamu. There were, there were two culprits that day. Yeah, they they both they both sort of picked him up. But I was just looking back at some of the some of the coverage. We don't go out to hurt people," said Richie McCall. It was a shame it happened to him," he said, <laughs> using the passive voice. But there are a lot of instances in rugby where guys have disappointing injuries. It's all very well to be gutted, but sometimes you've got to let it go," says uh, says Richie McCall, not referring to um, Umaga or the other guy, um, and their grip on uh, Brian Driscoll's <laughs> legs. Uh, quite frankly, we need to move on, don't we? Said Henry. Tana and Kevin didn't mean to hurt the guy. That's what happens in rugby from time to time. That's disappointing. And we just need to move on from it. Our guys will concentrate on playing rugby. We won't be concentrating on this issue. We've got some sympathy, obviously, for Brian Driscoll. He's a fine player. It was disappointing it happened. But these things have been said before. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I suppose, um, uh, you know, you gotta you gotta close ranks around around your boy uh, at moments like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought I thought he did. Uh, I, I mean, the thought that, that occurred to me was, look, there's no way he does this uh, to Cristiano Ronaldo in training. They do intense, you know, training sessions. They play a training match against each other. Does he pull Cristiano Ronaldo like that down ever accidentally? Not a chance. Not a chance. Why? Because what happens if he interested? I don't know if it's as blatant uh, as the O'Driscoll one, though. That was a, essentially a double spear tackle, which was almost certainly going to result in uh, serious injury. And in fact, O'Driscoll's lucky in a lot of ways. It was just his shoulder. Whereas there was a, you know, an element, I think, that everyone agrees on with regards to the Ramos tackle, that you could try that a number of times. It mightn't necessarily injure the, the player every time. Oh, it's more the it's more the closure of ranks. It's like yeah, the yeah. Uh, the fact that he, the fact the what what the the illustration of the Brandon Driscoll thing is that even with something which was more blatant and more dangerous, uh, you can still see how people are just like, nah, that's fine. He didn't mean it. That's just an accident. These and, things. And happen. now we need Get to move. On. We need move to move on. on. Yeah, yeah, that's the big move one. Move on exactly. Yeah. So, so, uh, so I think you can see you can see a good bit of that around the uh, around the. Uh, Ramos said, gap between illusion and reality uh, created a gap uh, between the uh, different uh, parts of the shoulder joints in Mo Salah. Best of luck to him in getting back for the World Cup. 
I hope he makes it. I kind of hope on Sergio Ramos's behalf that he makes it as well. In that Ramos, what would be the object of quite a lot of scoring? Well, he, already, he already is. I mean, I don't know if you saw his Instagram. I, I said, he put up a picture of himself on Instagram, and it reminded me immediately. He he was he was wearing his, as he always does, his Andalusia um, flag around his waist, like a sort of sarong, and he was. Um, and he had his medal in his teeth in the time-honoured way. And he had his boot up on the posing on the trophy, on the lip of the trophy. And he um, and he just reminded me of, like, one of those, uh, one of the Trump brothers. Or remember that African dentist who killed the lion? Yeah. Yeah. The American, uh, the, the American that, dentist. That, the, the safari hunter's souvenir yeah. picture. Uh, wiping the blood off his hands to accept the cup and all that. But uh, but all I've never seen so many abusive comments in so many different languages, including Spanish. Puto rata! And all that kind of stuff, uh, because not everybody in Spain supports Real Madrid, and at one time or another, they've all suffered at the hands of Sergio Ramos. Okay, let's get on to the real story here, Ken. Al Nomara, World Service member and Cavan goalkeeper and podcasting friend, host of the Real Talks podcast, got in touch to alert us to a certain observation you made in the dying minutes of Thursday's Champions League final preview. I don't think Real Madrid's attack is much better than Liverpool's. I don't think their defence. Well, the defence is probably a bit better than the Bulls, but, you know, I mean, is the goalkeeper better? I don't think so. I think Karras is better than Kaylor Navas. Do you stand by those comments today, Ken? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, well, obviously, uh, it's it sounds a little strange today. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds it sounds stranger uh, than, it did, uh, than it did on Thursday. Uh, do I stand by the comments... I mean, yeah, I, I do stand by the comments. I, mean, I, I do stand by those comments. Well, you're a brave man. Uh, uh, well, I mean... I, you I've, disagree I've with got, the comments, but you stand by them. by them. I've got to stand by the comments. Mm. I've got to... Because otherwise I'd be saying that one game changed everything. Although, I do think... I don't think the game changes whether he's a better goalkeeper, you know, when all said and done. But I do think it changes whether he can ever play for Liverpool again. And this isn't only because, uh, you know, of, of of what happened and how how horrible it was. I mean, it's the worst. It's the worst thing I've ever seen happen to a player. In, you know, I, I, I'm not talking here about serious injuries or anything of that nature. But the worst sporting thing I've ever seen happen to an individual, because to for an individual in a team sport in an occasion of that magnitude, to let his team down in such a humiliating way is I, I I can't think of anything like I mean someone has said I was saying I can't think of anything like that you know people were saying well what about this what about that I can't remember any of the exact I mean Gerard Slip is, is the uh, is actually the the closest thing I can think of in terms of oh my god you know in in terms of a mistake in a game of of, of, of such um, you know I was going to say enormity but enormity is the wrong word. Uh, Normally means a very bad thing, huh? Ah. Sorry, I'm drawing a blank. I haven't really had much sleep. Um, <laughs> but su- such a big game. We'll yes. go with that. <laughs> uh, for Gerard to, to do that, obviously, was... was uh, I think that's that's actually the closest thing to Karras. But Karras has two mistakes. I mean, in this game, you know, it's like... All right, the first mistake, the one with Benzema, is just an unforgivable mistake. It's like, What? And I think I was one of the few people in the stadium who saw it mm. happen because 
when at a moment like that, it's like a break in play. People look around, you know, and I was sitting in the airport in Kiev earlier this morning and there was still a few Liverpool fans there. You could, I was listening to their conversation because they were slaughtering Carriers really loudly and angrily. And they were, and, I mean, this is this is like two days after the game, you know what I mean? It's not the morning after, it's the next morning. And they were slaughtering Carriers, still can't, still can't go over it. And they were, they were saying, they were all saying stuff like, you know, I looked at the clock. You know, I, I, and then they sort of they they looked back up. You know, I was talking to other journalists who who were like, "What?" You know, they they, they looked at their, they were looking at their computers and suddenly heard a weird sound. Something weird has happened. What's going on? And looked up to see the ball sort of dribbling over the line. And it's like, what happened there? How did that? Well, I saw the whole thing. Uh, I was watching, uh, watch the ball come over. It was like Tony Cross. Tony Cross didn't have a very good game. Um, it's the first time, actually, I've ever seen him play badly. Uh, and even then, he, he wasn't that bad. I mean, he, he was spraying the ball around all night, just not with any particular um, intention. Maybe maybe I'm, I'm conditioned to think he, he didn't play that well because he gave it away a few times early on. He but did, it was yeah, his bad yeah. ball over the top that went straight through the carries. And Benzema, uh, when I saw it, I said to myself, offside. He wasn't offside, as it turned out. But he looked offside to me at the time. I, I just said to myself, offside, as I was watching it. And... Benzema ran through or kind of followed it like just in a desultory way and Karius had the ball in his hands and then just as though Benzema wasn't there just failed, just completely failed to take into account the presence of Karen Benzema who remember has just exploited a, a goalkeeping mistake from Sven Ulreich Karius' uh, compatriot I mean Karius must have seen this Karius must have been watching this Karius has seen the fact that Benzema is, is going to you know, snip around the goalkeeper and watch out for mistakes. I mean, I, I assume he's done some preparation for the game over the last couple of weeks. And Carius just sort of telegraphed. It was the second thing. It was the second thing that Liverpool did that struck me as it was happening as two telegraphed. The one, the first one being this free kick that they had in the first half. Do you remember that free kick when Milner and Salah were sort of standing yeah. over the ball? And, and I thought, well, it's really obvious what they're going to do here. Like, Salah's going to run that way. He's going to run sort of, and Miller's going to pass it to him. Salah's going to try and shoot from sort of more central position. And it was really clear. And this is what happened. They got closed down, didn't come to anything. But in this occasion, Carries, it was like, oh, this is a bit dodgy. And then, but it, you still can't believe it. You know, when it, when, it, when it hits off, it's like, it's rolling in. You're like, is that going in? Oh, my God. And, and then I thought, is that offside? Because... If he'd been offside at first, then is he still offside? Or is it a new phase because Carius has touched the ball? I thought, no, it's probably a new phase. But it didn't matter because it was obviously been given. And I just thought to myself, my God, I, I can't believe I've just seen that in the Champions League final. Such a basic mistake. It was beyond like any stupidity. I mean, it was far worse than the third than the third goal, which was which was really terrible. I mean, that was like Packy Bonner, you know, it was, it was like one of the, but at least I've seen that before. Yeah, yeah, you have. You've seen I it on a number it's, of occasions. It's, it's, just, it's, it's something that happens from yeah. time to time. It's always horrible for the goalkeeper, but I have seen it. This was something I'd never seen before. The the thing that struck me as I was watching like all of the replays was that the, what you were describing there uh, happened with some of the people in the press box. Virgil, that's exactly what happened with Virgil van Dijk. Van Dijk had turned his back on the play and as the oh, ball really? is rolling in, you can see Van Dyke in the top right-hand corner of the screen. And you can, just as the, the camera kind of moves away from Van Dyke, you can see him turn around. You don't get to see the, the, his full reaction as the ball rolls into the net. But Van Dyke yeah. has turned his back around and he's like, 
has Carius actually rolled this into into the net by himself? Like he couldn't even comprehend that Benzema had been involved in some way. Has Carius actually just like backheeled this into his own net? I'm afraid Van Dijk, if he has any sense, will never watch that match back. No, so he will never find out what happened. Yeah, he can Virgil go to his grave never day, knowing what happened. He will yeah. never know exactly How did what the happened. The ball there? transport itself from. Lars Carius's yeah. hand into that corner of the net. Did he say he would never watch back? I don't know. Why would he? If he has any sense. Yeah. I love, I'm loving this detail. I totally missed mm. the uh, Van Dyke completely missing the um, completely missing it like half the people in the stadium <laughs> which were like what are you doing? Yeah. I can't, and you see the, the look on Klopp's face as well. It's like I can't believe this. I cannot believe that you've done this. I can't believe you've done this. You'd have to have a heart of stone, Ken, wouldn't you? Not to feel sympathy for the man as he walked forlornly and alone, not backed by any of his teammates or manager, apologising to the Liverpool fans. Well, that's not that's not really that's not really true. Um, that's not really true. And this this is something that slightly annoyed me as well because I was I was watching him at full time because I was like, okay, well, this is obviously he's the one who's who's really who is obviously at fault here. I mean, I I, I still think. Yeah, the injury to Salah was a more important moment in the game. I think it was... Uh, I mean, gi- giving away two goals, it's hard to say an injury to one player is more important than two goals, but I, I feel with Salah on pitch, they were really giving Madrid a lot of problems. I mean, Madrid had set up in such a way that that like there was space everywhere. There was like, there's so much space. There's space behind the defence. The, the, the defence isn't, isn't in a line at any point. It's it's very simple for Salah to sort of get into areas and play one twos with Firmino. It's you know it's like it looks so porous. But as soon as Salah was gone, it was like oh, there's no there's no threat here. There's no pace. Madrid are pushed right up now because they're not worried so much about. It. It's only Mane who can who can hurt them in behind. But Mane, because Liverpool were now forced back and didn't have the ball at all anymore, it, so so Liverpool no no longer had the had the weapons to win the game. That's why I think that Salah. Salah think was more important, but the carries obviously, it's, you know, it was it did decide the game in the end, and it and it, and it sort of it, it it dispelled any. I mean, the first one obviously was was the opening goal, which is always crucial. Um, you know, a lot of hard work has gone into the game at that point, and to give away the lead in such a manner is, is really sickening. Equalised immediately, and then uh, they're already losing and looking very likely to lose when he stuffs out any chance of a comeback. By doing that with 10 minutes to go so uh so i thought wow in a team sport for one individual to be so badly at fault and especially given everything that's gone into getting to this point you know everything that has had to fall into place everything that all the brilliant performances that have gone you know all the little pieces of good fortune that they've had everything that goes into getting to the champions league final for it all to be thrown away like that it's it's too much for one person to have to absorb i do feel sorry for i wonder what's going to happen now was went. He stumped immediately to the ground. Lovren just in front of him, also on the ground. And he just lay there for a while. Nobody went near him. Now, the Liverpool players were mainly back in the other half of the field. This is the thing. The, the players sort of drifted to the end of the field that their fans were at. Carius was at the Real Madrid end. So the Real Madrid players end up coming over and sort of pick him up. They were the first ones over to pick him up and say, oh, you know, commiserations, mate. Well, well played. Uh, you know, Whatever it is that you say to a guy in that position, I mean, what do you, what can you say? You know, what can you say? I suppose all you can say is, "I love you, man. Stay strong, bro. 
something along those well, lines. Well, if you're the master, if you're Mr. Hugger and you're the master of man management like Jurgen Klopp is, you would think that maybe you could make a beeline for your broken-hearted player and just put your arm around Again, him? Though, you see, I, I, you see I, I tweeted in a photo of this, like two photos, and I said Real Madrid players are over consoling Carriers, everybody is leaving him be for now. But like, if Car- if Klopp had been right over to Car, first of all, he's got a whole, he's got a whole team full of players who are overrated. He is also on that side of the field, the, like the, the sort of where the Liverpool fans are at that side. So if he was to sort of make a beeline for Carrius, <laughs> it would just be weird. It'd be like, what's this? Like, Klopp is marching all the way across the field to, towards Loris Carrius. Is he going to shit him? You know, it, would, it wouldn't it, it wouldn't have seemed natural. It would have seemed, in my mind, forced. Carrius got up uh, with Real Madrid players and walked back. And at that point, then, he was kind of greeted by his teammates who were like, you know, presumably through a little bit of gritted teeth, saying, you'll never walk alone, pal. Uh, <laughs> Apart from and, that 40 yard walk that, you just had to uh, do there. Other than that, you will not be walking alone. So, yeah, all, all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, it's, it's a case of everyone's got their own. Maybe not everyone is thinking of Karius. Actually, they probably all, he did probably at least flash through all their minds at that point. Um, not running over and making this big, uh, I mean, I don't know, maybe... Who would have done that? Billy Graham, maybe. I mean, it would have, would have seemed, I think, almost a bit, a bit pious. It's like, look, we said he'd never walk alone, and is he walking alone? No. I mean, let, you know, should we go and handcuff him to a policeman and take him away to the cells? I don't know. Uh, I, well, I, I, I thought, I thought a bit much was made of that. Yeah. Um. To I, be, to be honest. Go on, Murph. Yeah, I thought. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know that, that Klopp should be running straight over. But, I mean, Lovren is not that far away from him. And, I mean, it's it's not like, oh, you know, in some ways we're all kind of to blame here. You know, like, it's blatantly obvious that the entire world's media is looking at Loris Carius now. Like, never mind the world's media. The entire world is looking at Loris Carius now. And in this moment, surely someone... We're talking about like two minutes. Murph, I think if he was a striker who'd missed a penalty, they would have been over to him. Yeah. I think footballers look differently upon goalkeepers. If a goalkeeper throws one in, it's I don't think there's any sympathy for him from well, the outfield players. Yeah. Well, if he throws through in, there's even less sympathy. Yeah. Whereas if, if, if Mo Salah misses two penalties or something, it's actually, I, don't, it's, I don't think it's a... It's very similar to the, to the American football relationship with their kicker, which is basically, we play, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. We play the game... And then you have another job that's not really the game. But we expect you to do your job don't let us so that we can get on with actually being footballers. Let's hear what Carrie said after the match on TalkSport with the Sam Matterface. Yeah, I don't, don't feel anything right now. Um, I don't know. I, today I, I lost my team the game. and um, Yeah, I feel sorry for everyone. Um, I'm sorry for everyone um, from the team, from from the whole club. Uh, that yeah, that that, that uh, the mistakes cost cost dearly. Um, there's if I could go back in time, I would. Um, yeah, I just feel sorry for my team. Uh, I know I let them down today. Um, that's the life of of a goalkeeper. Um, you you have to get your your head up again, but um, those goals uh, cost us the, the the title basically. With the second one, the long range effort from Gareth Bale, what happened? Did it just move in the air? Did it move out of your glove? What happened? I just moved around a lot. Um, I tried to catch it. Maybe I should have just did it safer and just put it out of play instead of trying catching it. And then yeah, I judged it a bit wrong and went in.
Yeah, it's not an easy listen. Um, do you give credit to the lad for fronting up there, Ken? Not really. I mean, I think he, he just sort of did what he had to do there. It was just his... his uh, uh, I mean, I feel really I feel really sorry for him. I think it's going to be very difficult for him. Uh, I mean, I, my, my preview for this game, for the Irish Times, had mentioned how Klopp um, has backed some players through bad situations. Like, Bur- uh, I can think of Moreno, uh, who collapsed in the Europa League final in 2016 and, and gave away, I think, two goals on the night, or certainly was was uh, was responsible for a lot of what went wrong. And he was back in at the start of this season, uh, going strong until he got injured, and that's when Andy Robinson uh, came in. And I don't think anyone, I, I, I think 10% of the supporters would have wanted to see him back in the team, but Klopp was like, oh, you know, I'm going to give him another chance. Did the same with Lovren, and Lovren played really well uh, on Saturday night. Although, you know, that Lovren you always feel as though there's possibly just um, something something could happen, could go wrong around the corner. But you know, it's, he has he has done well. Um, what's he going to do with with Carius now? Because this is the biggest. And you see, the problem is, I just don't think. I think that supporters are never going to believe that he's up to it after that. Never. Yeah. I just don't think. Even if you couldn't convince Carius. I just don't think you could ever convince the supporters. The game was too big. The mistakes were too awful. I think he just needs to start again at a different club, would be my feeling. But I do wonder if what Klopp's reaction is going to be, because I think he really does kind of like this idea of himself as, as you know, uh, healing, healing these players. And afterwards, they're stronger at the broken places, all that kind of stuff. But in this instance, I don't know, maybe, maybe he might want to say, yeah, okay, not sure. Lots of stories today linking... Liverpool to Allison and Jack Butland and various other uh, various other goalkeepers. So they will definitely be signing a goalkeeper. You know, Simon Hughes' piece in the Independent says they could sign as many as three because if they sell Carius, Mignolet and Daddy Ward, the backup, then they, they suddenly need, well, they need at least two and maybe three goalkeepers. So uh, so that's, uh, that's a whole bunch of goalkeepers. Um, uh, certainly, it looks as though they will be signing a new first-team capable one. Um, whether it's going to be Allison, who would cost an absolute fortune, I don't know, but he does appear to be the best one available. That's it for Ken's final report from Kiev. It's another European Cup semi-final for Liverpool. The boys of Liverpool will win. We safely land and call myself the fool. Sorry, mate. Is there a Wi-Fi? I'm a boy. He knew why I'd come. That's actually my seat. Wi-Fi workers. I don't know what you're talking about. We've actually just been told to sit anywhere. You want Wi-Fi workers? The seat numbers don't count. Put the hair and turn her down the rocky road and all the ways to double the McFarland. Now Ken went deep into the night on Saturday night talking football with some great football men of the press. Hey guys, we're here. Um... It's 10 to 3 in the morning, um, having, uh, still standing outside the stadium, um, uh, here with Jonathan Wilson-Miguel, Delaney and Mark Critchley. Uh, can I just ask, first of all, you, each of you in turn, about Sergio Ramos and what you thought of his, of his performance? Uh, disgrace. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not so much the Salah incident, because I, I, I think it's very hard to say how conscious that was. I mean, all you can say of that is... He knew exactly what he was doing. He's pulling him down. I think he probably intended to apply the weight of his body to Salah. I suspect that was sort of to give him a bit of a shock to wind him rather than necessarily to 
wrench his arm out with a socket or whatever has happened. But the elbow on Carrius later on, that, you know, there's no excuse for that, and he should be banned for three games for that because it is it is clear. And you know, he's done this. Oh, he's been sent off twenty odd times in his career, and he's got away with it many more times than that. Well, yeah. Yeah, ultra cynical uh, and I suppose kind of maybe representative of the Real Madrid team and I suppose just with that doing whatever it takes to win uh, I think the question of what happened with Salah is is over the intent is interesting obviously I think he's, he intended to fail him Be- anything beyond that you're getting into kind of uh, you're <laughs> worried about libel <laughs> libel is territory um, but uh, I mean it did I was trying to think about this after the game it's actually a while, maybe because the way the game has gone, rules and fouls and kind of state pitches and all, but it's a while since a player like that has been put out of a game with that so so greatly distorting the game. I was struggling to actually think of similar examples in recent history. Mm. Uh, like there's one from 1963 with Coluna in Milan in the European Cup final, uh, <laughs> which is going back a fair bit. <laughs> no, no, no. I've watched a video of it, though. Uh, <laughs> Mark, what do you, what, what do you mean with um, I just think... It's just a shame, you know. It's just a real no, shame. You, you know, you can't, you can't say it's a shame. I, what, I'm wondering, what I want to know is, do you think he did it deliberately? To, do I think I did it deliberately? Without without knowing the correct libel laws on this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I think I, I think he did it deliberately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, I wrote a piece to that effect, but um, it, it, the, like the jargon and the language around it had to be changed. So, yeah, I yeah. think I think he 100. Uh, did it deliberately uh, there, there can't be any doubt about it but you know okay we have plenty of time to talk about that uh, over the next uh, over the coming years um, but the other big uh, the other big one is, is Loris Karius there's a couple of questions here um, is, it, is this ultimately on Jurgen Klopp that you know he should have got rid of Loris Karius before now that that this was a kind of a, a disaster foretold or have we just seen something so out there that it couldn't have been anticipated I mean I think that was that was always a danger when he didn't replace him um, that, that this sort of um, uh, I don't even know what word to use this sort of event uh, was possible you know that, that, that we, we knew both he and, and Minale have their faults as goalkeepers they're both error prone and low carries actually pretty good, I think, for the last three or four months. That that possibly always lurked that a terrible error w- w- was there. We, we even the weird thing about this game is that the in between the two, actually before and then in between the two, one of them one of the worst mistakes I've ever seen in any game, yeah. uh, and the other one just was just a standard box standard goalkeeping error that he's supposed to be, he's kind of been guilty of before, but. He actually made two or three good saves. Even even after the first howler, he had he had that one at the, at the bottom po- at the bottom post. But oh, yeah. down to his left. Yeah, yeah. For Misko, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, so did, but can did, you imagine? Can you imagine being Sven Ulrich tonight, looking at that, going, oh, "I only committed the third worst mistake against Real Madrid this season." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like that that first, I I, can't, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Mm. That, that that shouldn't happen. It's it's. Is it, is it though? Do you think? I mean, this is okay, this is an amazing record of losing finals like Jurgen Klopp has now. He's nearly got a full set of losers' medals. Just the CFA Cup. I don't buy that. I have to say, in no? the sense that I think it's still well, is it, it was one. It's six defeats and seven now. But if you look up the majority of them, he's had the clearly inferior team. Mm. Um, Sid Lowe has just gone by there. For you. <laughs> he's a. Uh, a gesture. Wearing his Sergio Ramos shirt. Yeah. 
Can I, can I just ask you one quick question? Of course you can, yeah. <laughs> I've asked everybody else the same question. I want to ask you. Can you were not satisfied with their answers. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just canvassing. I'm canvassing opinions here. I'm trying to build up a picture. The question was, can you tell me what you thought of Sergio Ramos' performance tonight? Um, well, I mean, his performance tonight, I suppose, basically boils down to doing his his job, which was getting rid of Salah, I suppose. Mm. Um, like it's often is in the second half, you, you're so focused on the match report that I, I didn't have a sense of him doing anything significant apart from that. Mm. Um was it deliberate or not is another issue, I suppose. I mean, certainly deliberate trying to, you know, impose himself, certainly deliberately trying to push him off the game. Obviously, you can't necessarily say deliberately trying to dislocate someone's shoulder if that's what's happened because you, you don't know that. But, there's, yeah, it was... I, I, think, it's, I think it's quite... It's uh, deliberate. It's, it's a, it's a, I think it's definitely a deliberate attempt to impose himself in the, in the kind of... And using impose as a euphemism. To, you know, to, to hurt, hurt someone. To hurt, yeah, yeah, to, yeah. To, to, to hurt the opponent. And if the opponent has to go off injured, then so much the better. Then so much better. I think that's, that, that, that's probably accurate. Well, that's yeah. the only question. I know that you're... Uh, it, it is nearly three in the morning here, so you got to go. Great, where are you, where are you got to go? I've got, I've got, I've got flights. Yeah. Bye. See you. See you. See you. I mean, um, you, you, Miguel asked. Uh, yeah, uh, has this happened before? Can we think of examples of this happening before? The thing it reminded me of was Brian O'Driscoll in, in that Lions test against New Zealand. Mm. That, yeah, I, I mean, that was that. obviously a lot more blatant, but a, a similar sort of targeting of the opposition's key player mm. and a similar sort of area of the body that ends up. Um, being damaged. Yeah. Do you think, uh, just going back to Carius, the, que- the question is really about uh, whether Klopp is missing some element of ruthlessness. I mean, he has uh, trusted players through uh, through disasters. Uh, he's kind of, in, in a sense, rehabilitated some of them. Mm. But maybe there comes a point where you have to say, sorry, but he's I can't. He's done that with Mignolet, though, hasn't he? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, the, the one thing with that as well, say with someone like Lovren, it's really the other big example. It was very good today. Yeah, but yeah, Lo- yeah, but Lo- yeah. Lovren, you can see, has you know fundamental technical qualities that can be improved on. I, it's, I think some with Lovren, sometimes it feels, it feels maybe psychological, some of his issues. Whereas with Carius. Has it ever looked like he's a keeper of that level? I think for the last like six months, it's looked like the confidence is building, but it's, it hangs by a thread, and it only ever—he never really looked convincing with it, and it only would ever take one mistake. And the first mistake tonight, by the way, is it's just you know how does that happen to a goalkeeper on the football? But it's like I said, it's like a FIFA '98 glitch where you try and tap the ball <laughs> and off the keeper, and then I think once that goes in, the third just—I mean, it wasn't really even a surprise because because that's all it needed to just cut that thread and, and, and for him to fall back into this line you know but the question then is does he do the same thing with Carrius as he has to with Lovren does he say okay you've you, you know what the worst moment feels like it can't actually get any worse it's happened now already you don't need to worry about that ever again You've already had the worst, the worst <laughs> the, nightmare. The, the, the worst possible error in front in the biggest possible game. In the biggest possible game. <laughs> the biggest All possible error from him, really. He's conceded maybe you know two of the worst goals ever conceded in, in a in a match of that profile. You don't need to worry about anything anymore. You know we can work together next season. I mean, what I'm saying is, is is this another rehabilitation project we're looking at, or is it a case of but, but where, how much is Alison? I, mean, I, 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 I like the idea of that. The the problem with that is that. If Carrius were to say start next season pretty well, and then they've got a big league game against Manchester City, and he drops across or a shot falls to his body, and it's it's this times okay, it's not as big as a Champions League final, but the, the reaction would be well, we all know he's like this. So I, I think unfortunately with goalkeepers, it's not really a way back. I mean, you think, yeah, you know, again, we think thinking the precedents, a terrible mistake in a big game by a goalkeeper. 
probably Jim Leighton in 1990 in the cup final yeah. I, he, I think he played uh, one League Cup game for Manchester United after we, that we, we, we had something with City just before Christmas and uh, one of their key figures was telling us that a big belief of Guardiola which was related to, to the Bravo situation is that once in a new situation a new club if one of the goalkeepers first big games or one of the most prominent games involves a mistake he, I think the words were something goes in their heads and they never recover they, they almost yeah. need to change a club to just kind of wash it away yeah. uh, and uh, it, it does kind of feel like that felt like that yeah, oh, yeah, you, you, yeah I, I guess that's the other point is, is part of Karius's rehabilitation from this and yeah you, you hope he does find a way back mm. it is part of that a new start and a new a new environment where he doesn't have fans sort of always in the back of their mind thinking oh god it's him again and it's not it's not just um it's not just the Liverpool fans who will always well, doubt sure. him, yeah. but it's everybody else yeah. will be laughing at him forever. But that's the other side of it as well. We, we know that Klopp wants an improvement, and like, that's been hanging over it all as well. Like they, like they were looking at Allison in January, and now they're kind of back looking at Butland. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I wonder whether is it a lack of ruthlessness, or is it his ruthlessness had to be directed elsewhere? That there's been bigger issues this season, yeah. and getting getting Van Dijk in, yeah. uh, sorting out the Coutinho deal. Maybe that was just the priority. So, uh, the, la- the last question uh, again that I want to put to the three of you is: um, This is four Champions League titles in five years for Real Madrid, uh, which establishes them in uh, crude statistical terms as the most, as the best team since the last Real Madrid team to dominate the European Cup in the fifties and, and sixties. What do you all think of that? <laughs> Nonsense. Yeah. Like, they can't win a league title. One league title in five years. It's like to, to be fair, the one in the fifties only won two. Yeah. But I think it, I think it's. I mean, this is, this is what my my, my, my follow up piece for the Guardian was about, and I, I sort of. It's really difficult to argue with the stats because the stats are pretty, pretty compelling, but it just doesn't feel like it. But you, you then start to kind of. You examine the, the other three teams who won three in a row. So Ajax seventy one to seventy three. I think are pretty much unimpeachable. You know, great side. Bayern 74 76 you actually look at it and you know, I had this sort of this sort of casual assumption they must have been a great side and you think of you know, the players they had with, with um, Beckenbauer and Müller um, Seth Meyer but actually they finished 10th in the Bundesliga in 1975 they conceded something like 55 or 60 goals yeah they, they only won the league once in that period so I, I wonder if these sort of streaks of, of winning European titles may be a bit misleading and I then was sort of led to think of something that Vigo Saki said which is that the great teams are those who change the game yeah. but, this Real Madrid has not changed the game but do you, do you the, the Ajax of 71 did uh, Saki's Milan did the Inter of Herrera did so Pep's Barca Pep's Barca obviously but, but yeah the other side of that as well is in, in the modern era first of all you don't have the threshold of having to actually win the league first and which I mean Real the first title in the spell was when they finished third or in 2014 hmm. but when you're a club the size of Real Madrid now it's not just that you have beyond even winning the, win the title it's, it's not just it's not just that you have the set platform and say they're guaranteed a quarter final place they've pretty much been, been guaranteed a semi final place for, since like well, since 2010 it becomes a bit easier, which obviously they, they have that rhythm and you know they should be credited for that. But yeah. I, think I, don't, I, don't, I mean I know what you mean, but the truth is the old European Cup. Once you're in it, once you'd won yeah. it, 
you could actually win it the next no, year yeah, by yeah. playing well twice. But, but, but I think there's another point, which is like just how you conduct yourself. And it's strange to be saying this to Real Madrid, who have this sort of code of Senorio. Yeah, Sergio Ramos is not obeying play. any code of Senorio. And I'm pretty sure that in sort of 1960, when they came off the pitch at Hamden, having won the fifth in a row, mm. I'm pretty sure Raymond Coppa wasn't going there going, well, I'm going to have to talk my agent and see what I have next season. <laughs> oh, it's uh, amazing, isn't it? Uh, back back well, at home. Oh, 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 <laughs> you're leaving? What, you're leaving? Yeah. Like Bale and yeah. Ronaldo are both... <laughs> Right, Raymond Copper did it to Stad Reims in 1958, though. Going, going the other way to Real. Uh, but, but no, in, in relation to the bigger question about kind of the, their place in history and all that, I mean, even beyond what Saki said, I think in terms of pure quality, the best sides do it on all fronts in a concentration. But it's, it's not just the kind of navigating the kind of the one-off sudden death nature of uh, knockouts. It's actually it's also doing that and showing the kind of the long haul of the league. Well, which... The other thing, how great can you be if you've been outplayed by Tottenham this season? <laughs> like, I mean, the team have finished. Well, they were the third or fourth in the end in the Premier League, yeah, yeah. but it, it's sort of a, a third. Higher, higher than one, one, one league title in five years is completely undercut. Uh, um, Mark, Mark, what do you think? Are these guys? Um, doing down a great side no <laughs> <laughs> I mean so I mean I focus on the northern clubs mainly but just look at the three goals tonight I mean the most three insane goals I've ever seen two catastrophic keeping errors and one which is probably the best goal I'm ever going to witness live but still came from a substitute yeah. <laughs> I mean it's just yeah. this Real Madrid team I just don't know I don't Definitely not on the level of uh, the 50s ones. They have been doing it all through. I mean, because I was watching the video of, of them uh, before the game and it was like deflection, penalty, deflection, bicycle kick, penalty, deflection. And it's just a... It's what I mean, Marcelo said. Well, we, we are Real Madrid. You said people don't, you know, the, the great teams change the game. I've never seen anyone do it like this, but maybe <laughs> they've established a new, a new template. Yeah. Yeah modern day coaching. What is it all about? Paralysis by analysis. Infiltrated by a load of spoofers and bluffers. Fellas with earpieces stuck in their ear. Psychologists, Clyde Woodward, statisticians, dietitians, and as Mick O'Connell alluded to, God save us. One person we've talked a little bit about, Ken, but I want to hear more of your thoughts on before we go today. Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah. who made a good good job, a good fist of looking pleased for his teammate Gareth Bale and the rest th- of his well, teammates. Well, I was thinking about this. Uh, on. It was kind of like you're at a very sad funeral, but something has someone has said something, you know, very funny, and you're like, "Come on, life's still worth living despite it all." Well, as he said himself, I thought that was kind of the the sort of celebration we were seeing. As he said himself, who was the top scorer once again? The Champions League should change and be called the C or Seven Champions League. I have won five, and I am the top goal scorer again. So I cannot be sad. On this very sad occasion for Cristiano Ronaldo, he cannot be sad, Ken. You've got to look on the bright side, Ol. I cannot be sad is just the most amazing quote in the context in which it was delivered that you could, that you could imagine. It's so insane. It's so crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I cannot be sad. You've just won five Champions Leagues. You've now got as many Champions League titles as Barcelona. Never mind Messi. Like... It, you know all the all the records. Like this is your competition. I mean, winning the competition almost doesn't mean anything anymore. It's like you've, you know, you were addicted to winning this competition, and now you've built up the your tolerance to the competition so much that you would need to inject three or four editions of the competition to get the same effect as one edition used to uh, used to give you back when you first started out on this heady relationship with this drug. And it's just not doing for doing it for him anymore. So he had to spice it up by going, well, I might leave. Uh, maybe it's it's been good to play for Real Madrid, or it's been a pleasure over the years to play for Real Madrid. 
I will speak about my future in a few days. And everyone's like, oh my God, he's leaving. So when Zidane came into the press conference, which was about an hour after the game, a little over an hour after the game had uh, finished, no one was asking about the, no one cared about the game. It was like, oh, what about Cristiano? What about Cristiano? What about Bale? Because Bale had been in as well, repeating all those lines. He's like, oh, I've got to talk to my agent. Yeah, you've been talking to your agent, Gareth. We know you've been talking to your agent because you keep repeating the same two slogans. You know, you keep, you, you just keep using the same talking points. <laughs> sounds as though someone's briefed you on what to say is, is all. You know, just sounds as though maybe you've already spoken to someone about what to say, you know, after the game. Um, so, so the two of them in this in this moment of uh, of what should have been great glory for the club and should have been a celebration, a, a moment of celebration, are just like politicking for the future. I mean, unbelievable! Like, what a club, what a club! But that's that's what happens when you just win this thing every year; it just becomes normal. It's like their end of season do. It's like winning the Champions League, <laughs> you know, ripping the heart out of other, <laughs> whichever opponent's chest it is. I mean, I'm just thinking of the broken people they've left in their wake. Like Buffon last year, you know. Buffon, it's, it's just never going to happen for me, is it? No. Griezmann, one friend, one friend after missing his penalty, just weeping, begging their Atletico fans to forgive him. Carious. Like, they rip the heart out of someone's chest, like, take a bite out of it and throw it away. And then they go to the press room and go, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure. I need to be playing more often. I need more attention. <laughs> it's just absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> but, you know, nobody can stop them. So as long as nobody... And it's not like... I was looking at their the video of their road to the final before the game. They just had so many... It was like... I, I think I was... Just so many weird... Like penalties, deflections, bicycle kicks, and... Own goals. Uh, and, and, and goalkeeping disasters. Like the Sven Ulrich thing was one of the weirdest things anyone had ever seen. That was the semi. And now, I think what Jonathan Wilson was saying, it's like it's like it's struggling to stay on the podium as, as, as the third worst goalkeeping error made against Real Madrid in the last two games in the Champions League. You know what I mean? But it looked, it looked like a one, for, one for the ages. So they have uh, had a little bit of luck. You need it, I suppose, to win the competition. They are the best team in the competition. They beat... But, you know, they've, they've come up against good teams and put them... They came up against PSG. That was the big challenger in Neymar. They stuffed them out of it. They came up against Bayern. They handled Bayern. They came up against Juventus before that. I mean, we're talking about top opposition. They nearly really made a big mess of the Juventus game, but came through it in the last minute. And then they come up against a team that has been really exciting competition, outscored everybody, and they deal with them too. So you can't take it away from them. You know, they're the best. Uh, they've proved it again. They've won the competition again. It means nothing to them. It means very little to anybody. <laughs> it means little to anybody. But look, when you've got a team on this level um, and nobody else can beat them, uh, you know, you can't blame them for, for everybody else, uh, you know, not, not quite managing to be able to, to, to put them away. So, uh, yes, congratulations to Real Madrid. I hope it. I hope one day this means something to you. I hope for your sake that you lose next year so that, and maybe the year after that as well so that you can begin to recover a little bit of your, your taste buds that are so, have been so blasted and jaded by this sweet, sweet taste of victory for so many years now. Uh, maybe it will be good to, uh, to lose for a couple of years just so you can remember that winning is supposed to feel good. But uh, you do have to say uh, congratulations. That's an incredibly eventful Champions League season over and done with. Next up, it's Russia 2018.
2018 World Cup in Russia will be up to the highest standard. Soccer is popular. From bottom of my heart, thank you. Maradona turns like a little eel and comes away from trouble. A little squat man leaves it for dead. There's Beckham, there's the ball in. There's Beckham! There's Beckham! Yes, our World Cup coverage kicks off with a vengeance this week. We're going to find out why cocaine and ancient Inca mummies are dominating Peru's build-up. Yes, Murph. And we get all nostalgic with a deep dive into the first World Cup that I properly remember, Italia 90. We'll keep the build-up going right up the kickoff. And then it's daily World Cup podcasts during the tournament, only on the Second Captain's World Service. To sign up for that, you can go to secondcaptains.com. A massive thank you to those of you who came on board for the Liverpool-Ray Madrid build-up last week. Hopefully you'll enjoy our World Cup coverage too. And you heard how happy Ken is when he doesn't have to be in the office with ah, us. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he's just so happy and delighted to not be in Ireland for a prolonged period of time. And he's going to be in Russia for six weeks or something. <laughs> so I can only... Five. Only, five it's only, only five. five. Sorry. Sorry, I was gilding the lily there. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Thanks Ken. Ken. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Owen. Oh, we're just messing up the whole thing now. Yeah, we're we had an email in last off. week. Yeah, it. it's, it's, it's thrown us off our rhythm. Yeah, Thanks, really everybody. Listen, Ken had a nice analogy in his Irish Times piece today, invoking the spirit of Livia Soprano to sum up what we witnessed in the Champions League final. Liverpool fans, we're going to play you out with these thoughts. Warning, though, they will not cheer you up. What's the use? What's the purpose? Why does everything have to have a purpose? The world is a jungle. And if you want my advice, Anthony, don't expect happiness. You won't get it. People let you down. And I'm not naming any names. But in the end, you die in your own arms. You mean alone? It's all a big nothing. What makes you think you're so special? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.